0: Welcome to Newsworthy with Norisworthy. Get ready for some awesome. Hey friends, welcome back to the show. Today we've got Jen Hatmaker, author. She does a lot of stuff. One of the things she does, if you don't know, she's got a new podcast. And if we would have had this conversation like three months ago, you know what I told Jen? I would have said, Jen, you're going to start a podcast you know you need to talk to, Podbean. They're an all-in-one podcast hosting and publishing provider. They do everything for you. You go to Podbean, type your stuff in, upload it, they'll get it to iTunes, they'll take care of you. And now with their mobile app, it is even easier than ever to get your content out to the masses. Uh, Go to podbean.com backslash newsworthy and they will take good care of you. So podbean.com, it's where it's at now. Onto the call with Jen Hatmaker. Uh, we started this off, uh, I, and we're just talking about uh, um, something that happened, unfortunately, in my Best work life. And uh, we're going to kind of just pick up right in the middle of the conversation. So let's do it. It's it's really not a big deal. Don't worry about it. I'm if it makes you feel better, I'm having a bit of a tragedy myself. I. Uh, I just went to the kitchen in my office, and for the second day in a row, someone has stolen my food, and, uh, no, no. Yesterday, I made some, uh, coconut balls, and today, it was, uh, oatmeal and almond peanut butter things, and yesterday, it was all of them, and today, I had four, and they just took one of them and left it open, like some kind of monster. (laughs) I... I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm, like I understand you're having issues right now too, but um, this you're is you're surrounded by animals. I don't know what to, I don't know what to do. I've been staring at like receptionists and custodians like with an evil eye. Like, is it you? I don't know. I'm
1: <laughs> dying. <laughs> I don't,
0: I'm glad you People find joy of trusted.
1: I just, they're oh monsters.
0: I don't know who we've <laughs> let work here. It's just ridiculous anyway so whatever really about your internet
1: struggle it really
0: well, the, the struggle this is, is real world like of they say suffering
1: is, is what it is
0: well i hope it makes you feel a little better about your little issues when i have massive <laughs> issues <laughs>
1: i'm sorry to All be right. laughing at your misfortune i'm gonna really tr- i'm gonna
0: try to i'm gonna try to power through this but uh um, yeah
1: yeah you know I'll, I'll light a prayer candle for
0: you Thank you. You're welcome. A few months ago, someone stole my turkey burgers out of the refrigerator, too. And I felt like we had this issue solved. I, I'm a pastor. Yeah. I talked about it in a sermon. Yeah. No issues. And then yeah. now it's resurfaced.
1: I don't know what. You know what? Sin is recurring is all I can tell you. You know? Yeah. We think we die to it, but we got to do battle once again. The spiritual I realms, right. dark places. Thank you.
0: Yeah, that's what it is. And I don't yeah, know why... Yeah. Bad, why do bad things happen to good people is really what I'm asking myself <laughs> today. I don't
1: know. Oh, I'm so tickled. I'm,
0: uh, I'm really glad this happened the day I'm talking to you. I, I was talking to yeah. Jeremy Courtney. Do you know him yeah, from Preemptive Love?
1: Yeah, we're friends.
0: I, I don't feel like Jeremy would have been able to enjoy this as much as you did. I don't, I don't feel like he would have you been as sympathetic.
1: What was his like... "Quote unquote difficulties in Iraq yeah. and Syria." He doesn't understand what it means to have your turkey burger taken out of the fridge. Yeah,
0: I yeah. know people have made it. death threats on your family, but right. this is this is a big deal too.
1: I know sometimes he's really fancy with his, you know, his hardships. While well, the rest of us, we struggle also. Jeremy
0: Courtney. Yeah, yeah. It's the, the struggle's real. It's for, for all of us. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for doing the podcast. I'm excited. Thanks to for talk having to me you. on absolutely yeah I, I guess we're already talking so i'm no longer excited to talk to you i'm glad we are talking though Um I'm
1: currently talking
0: yeah i i feel like my family owes you a great deal of respect you have given us language to our vernacular uh Such the a, phrase um queen of the night qu- what is it what is it my wife says queen of the night i'm gonna go be the qu- doesn't that come from you i, I would you love right
1: a- to lay claim to that I think I have positively written that phrase. I did not invent that phrase, but I will absolutely use it as a banner if it serves me.
0: Okay, well, banner it up because I, f- yeah. I think my wife says it comes from you. So anyway, I, I appreciate that. It gives us understanding of what it means <laughs> that my wife is going to stay up for five hours after the rest of us have been asleep and she's going to oh, suffer the consequences in the morning. That is,
1: That is what I say. I see it now in context. I'm the queen of the night when I do that. It's my yeah. TV, it's my remote, it's my show, it's my snacks, everybody else is asleep in their bed. I feel like that is just, that's when I just, that's when I win upon win.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, whatever floats your boat, I'm happy for you. And Thank you. my wife is happier because of you writing that. you and good. I'm I, here to serve. Yeah, I understand her better because of that. Um, okay. Now, okay, you're you're Austin. You're down like South Austin. Yep. Is that right? Yeah,
1: I am. We're actually in Buda, which is just it's adjacent to South Austin, so we're just just off of weird.
0: Yeah, I, still like there's some peculiarity. Maybe not full on weirdness, but there's peculiarity down there.
1: Oh, I would, I would, I would go ahead and say there's full on weirdness too. We, the apple didn't fall far from the Austin tree at all. Um, mm-hmm. We've got a real quirky little neighborhood and quirky neighbors and yeah we're we're doing our part to keep the city just sort of as strange as it can possibly be
0: Yeah, uh i heard that you were at the game on saturday you want to talk about that for a second
1: i don't know if i'm ready it feels too soon um but here are you are you a football fan
0: yeah yes yes i
1: am okay who's your team
0: uh I root for uh, the Dallas Cowboys, of course, because I'm a Christian. Well, I'm sorry. And yeah. yeah, well, again, that's a bad decision. Oh, well, but so I root for we. Texas. This is my
1: point. It's like we are It's like we hate ourselves. You know, it's some sort of collective oh, yeah, yeah. for punishment. I mean, my husband, Brandon, he quits the Dallas Cowboys every year. For as long as I've known him, 20 plus years. He quits them every year. It's like, that's it. It's like an abusive boyfriend. I'm not going back. I'm going to yeah. be free of it. I'm going to not... Submit myself willingly to this like pain and disappointment. I just keep going back. And that's how it's felt to be a mm-hmm. Longhorn football fan below these last, I don't know, seven years. Just yeah. brutal. And not only do we love it, we pay our money, like cash dollars
0: to <laughs> go and
1: sit in the stadium and first of mm-hmm. all sweat through all of our clothes. Um, cause, you know, it's still summer here. Um, and lose. And lose. Even when we're expected to win by 18 points. We found a way, we found a way to not do that. Um, yeah. So, yeah, and you know what? We'll be back on Saturday. So that's just that's how smart we are.
0: My, my face was literally peeling its skin last night because <laughs> of the sunburn I received from the game on Saturday. And Were you there? That, yeah, yeah, I was there um, watching the game, supporting, oh, yeah. wearing my burnt orange and what my face you? peeling was the least painful part of the experience. It, <laughs> so true. it, it wasn't even the worst part. Um, <laughs> and so I, did, I had to get up the next morning uh, with my face looking like a lobster of some sort. Yeah. And, yeah. and have all the people from like A&M who are part of the church that I'm a part of yeah. wearing, their, wearing their maroon talking about how terrible Texas is. But,
1: uh, excuse me, A&M.
0: Let's talk about
1: A&M's performance on Saturday. Listen, yeah. we're all in the weeds right now. Baylor yeah. went down. A&M went down. I mean, Texas is in need of some intervention. We need some prayer chains um, yeah. activated in this state. So um, yeah. I, I had not seen a crash and burn like that in a while. So all my A&M friends are grieving too. We wear our colors, but we're all kind of sad about
0: it. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the, the A&M game made me feel a whole lot better.
1: <laughs> it's so weird. It right? really did. Other people's misery yeah. somehow lifts us in our sorrow, especially and like a rival school.
0: Yeah, full circle, this is why I told you about my uh, oatmeal balls being stolen this morning because uh-huh. I thought it would help yeah. you feel better about your internet issue. <laughs>
1: thank you. I thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that offering.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm here for. I'm here to help. Um, okay, can we talk We talk about this book? You wrote a new book. Let's do in it. Case you forgot. In case you forgot, I'm going to tell I you remember. you wrote a new book.
1: I um, remember. I do remember.
0: So our friends at Thomas Nelson uh, sent me a copy a while ago, and yeah. I opened it up. And I- I've I've done a podcast for a while, and okay. um, I'm assuming you-, you get tons of books in the mail, being who yeah. you are. I get a few in the mail, and so I sure. read a few books every so often. And this is the first time I read a book that was specifically not for me, and it told me in the very like first two pages, like this is for the girls, <laughs> and I'm not a girl and. I felt like you just didn't want me to read the book, but I pushed through. I felt like I was intruding for yes. a second.
1: Uh-huh. You're but a crusader you, through those pages. Yeah,
0: yeah, I am. But you won me over. That's right. Nice. When you said that you only do phone calls in the car. You know what I mean? I, that's, that's 100%. I think that uh-huh. can be a guy and a girl thing. I don't think that's just for the girls is what oh, I'm saying. Oh, no.
1: No, and... It's not exclusively female content. I mean, I devoted an entire chapter um, to, to football in the state of Texas. So, you know, no. there's, there's plenty there for you. And le- let me be honest. You're not the first man who soldiered his way through one of my books. Um, I, they, ta- they tell me all the time when I travel. In fact, I had one guy come up to me one time and say, listen, this is on the last book that came out for the left. He said, I, wanted, I want you to know something. He said, "I finally just read your dumb book my own self with my eyes because I was tired of my wife coming into the bathroom while I was taking a shower and reading like whole passages to me in the shower like I was her hostage." And he finally just said, <laughs> "If I just if I could promise you that I'll read it with my own brain. Can I just have a shower? Can you please leave me alone?" So you're not the you're not the only guy in there, and there's some tips in there for you. Probably you can. Yeah, it's like kind of peeking into a you know the window of some of the things we talk about. So it's not all bad. It's not hey, all girly.
0: I have a wife. I have three daughters. Yeah, there's, exactly. if it, the girly stuff is helpful for me, I <laughs> I didn't need to know that the um the ministry of a new bra like that stuff. I probably <laughs> didn't need to know. But well, I, I mean, told it's, you out it's out
1: there front, It's for the girls. So Up at least front. that's the disclaimer.
0: But it, it transcends like, just women. I agree with that. I, I feel like my showers are going to be in private now. I'm not going to worry about my wife intruding, so thank you for that. But I have, okay after reading, I, I have a metaphor for what I think kind of your voice is like, and I don't know how this is going to go, but I think it should go okay. well. I'm, I'm um, excited to hear this. Okay. Did you watch Friday Night Lights?
1: Uh, did I watch Friday Night Lights? I mean, I okay. have the t shirt
0: Okay, good. So you're a Christian. Yeah. Um, yeah,
1: right. That's in other words, yes.
0: Okay, so I'm, uh, I'm a preacher, and I think each sermon has like four different people in it. Like you have to be the okay. professor, because you're talking about something that's like 2,000 years old, like a, a biblical Fair. text. So you have to be yeah. a professor. You have to wear the hat of like the Dr. Phil, like to give like application sure. of like, this is how you think, and this is how you act differently. The, you have to do like the, the Friends, uh, this is from Friends, the Ministaner. Uh-huh. Do you remember that line? Yes, like, I'm not just a minister, but I'm in. A, like, and so Jesus like tells parables, and he makes it interesting. So that's kind of uh-huh. the ministry. Yeah. And the last one is the coach, Coach Taylor, because everyone needs oh, to have that. Rah good. rah! You can do this. That's good. And I kind of sense like there's a lot of Coach Taylor in your writing. Well, you know what?
1: That's the nicest thing anybody has ever said to me in my 43 years of life. So You're welcome. I um and moved and ministered to by that comparison. I actually met um, Kyle Chandler and wow. really a whole bunch of the FNL cast a couple of years ago at a fundraiser on New Year's Eve um, for Africa New Life. And I had exactly no chill. I meant to, mm-hmm. I meant to, I'm like, handle it, hatmaker. like be a, just a normal person who's with normal language and words and posture. And instead, like I have this picture of me and my friends, and I I was so physically close to him and uncomfortable, kind of, like, wrapping my arms around him from the side that it looks like he's just trying to escape, which I'm sure he was. Um, And so we regularly circulate that picture just to to remind ourselves that at any moment we have the potential for, like, catastrophic social failure, you know? Like, just Mm -hmm. don't ever get too big for your britches because remember Kyle Chandler. You know, like, just no. remember how you did when you when mm-hmm. you met him. So, anyway, I do like that role. And I think, you know, I think a lot of us play a, a different note. And and more than one, it's not super, super neat and tidy. But I do see that sort of role in what I do in my task in a way that I lead um, in sort of the content that I feel like I'm responsible for, which is... Um, I always think of myself a little bit as a little bit as a coach and a little bit as a teammate. I'm something mm-hmm. in between. I, I trade those hats back and forth because um, sometimes there's there's really profound leadership to be had down in the trenches alongside, and that's really that's real life. It's not as if I am a coach. I'm I'm living a real life with real husband and real children and real church and real people, um, and so I think that Coach Taylor. Uh, comparison is a good one because sometimes I can be... uh, I can, if I need to be, get a little gritty if I need to. Mm -hmm. Um, But then, you know, I can also be really nurturing. So thanks for that. um, Thanks for that compliment because it is one.
0: Hey, I'm just either butter your bread. That's what I'm doing here. The question (laughs) is, why do you think we need to have Coach Taylor? Because everyone likes to have a a Coach Taylor who can tell you, (laughs) okay, I can keep doing this. I can keep going on. Mm -hmm. Why do you think there is a need and a desire to have that voice in our lives.
1: I think it's interesting in our culture right now, spiritually, because, you know, maybe 30 years ago, even, your spiritual input was pretty um, myopic, was pretty narrow. It was probably your pastor um, and other mm-hmm. spiritual leaders in your church that even there more or likely were pretty homogenous, right? I mean, a, you're looking at a pretty specific worldview, a denomination, a type of leadership, sort of a tone, a general tone. And so your, your spiritual input would have kind of been more or less one note, but now Mm -hmm. the way that our culture is set up, we've got the internet, we can curate spiritual leadership from hundred different sources in half an hour. That's not even hard. Um, you know, so we are, there's a lot of, there's an upside to that. I think there's an upside. I think our, our perspectives are broader um, we're listening to more diverse voices, which is really important as a, um, not just as a Christ follower, but as a human being um, to listen to experiences outside of our own. And and so, you know, we can sort of cherry pick, if you will, a little bit of our of our spiritual leadership. And so um, we can't just have one. It's hard when you only have, um, you know, the theologian pastor, when that's the only that's the only narrative you're ever getting. It's hard when you only get Coach Taylor. You know, you mm-hmm. you sometimes need somebody to get down into the minutia and into the granular space of, of Scripture and history. And, you know, so I I I'm not one of those who's going to say, this is the type of leadership that's better, or this is the kind that works. I think it's the combination of leadership styles that makes us better believers. I think when we are very actively... Um, taking in leadership and and discernment from various people who come from different backgrounds, different denominations, different traditions, different experiences, different ethnicities, different races. I think that actually makes us smarter and stronger and and ironically a little bit more um, tender and generous. Um, and so I, I have no delusions about my, my role here in the grand scheme of things. I don't play all the notes. I play a couple of them. And so I hope to play those well and that my voice is one of lots, one of many that help move the needle forward for the kingdom um, and for a generous and compassionate and courageous church right now in a really contentious culture. And that's probably the best I can do. And the rest I'm going to pass up to you. You're a pastor. You have credentials. You'll get up there and tell us you know, what we need to know. And so I think it's teamwork. I think it's a team effort.
0: Yeah, teamwork makes the dream work. That's what they've been That's what I've heard. So I I agree, you need to have multiple voices. It can't just be the one pastor voice unless you're part of the Westover Hills Church in Austin, and then that pastor's voice is enough. But for the rest of the people who aren't a part of the church I'm a part of, um, they need multiple voices. I I agree, that's definitely good um, because there's so many voices, not just outside of ourselves, inside of ourselves that are telling us things that aren't true and aren't helpful. And you you mentioned one of those voices... Here's your her line. You say motherhood often feels like a game of guilt management. Yeah, I think as a, a father, I, I think fatherhood sometimes feels that way too. Um, uh. What do you think it is about the, the unique thing about being a parent that makes guilt such a, a major player in it?
1: It's weird, right? I, I'm glad to hear you say that you identify with that statement. I suspect that men do too. It's just that women, I'm surrounded with women and we're the ones talking about this more it seems like the men are um, especially in the parenting realm um, that's just been outsourced to women generations, right that was always sort of the 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 wife's place, the wife's role. We were the ones who did the heavy lifting and parenting, and now it's so much more it's more shared labor at least than than the generations before us but um yeah it's it's just a it's an interesting time. I asked my mom this um, my mom raised four kids and and I said, "Mom, I asked her this when my kids were littler, and we were just constantly in the weeds, you know. Like, oh, can somebody just not need something for half of one minute?" And I said, "Mom, did you ever, did you with your friends, did you kind of just like worry about us? Did you feel like you weren't doing enough? Did, did you guys talk about that when you were parenting us that it felt like you you weren't sure if you were getting it right or if you were doing everything you could do?" And she, she just looked at me like so blankly and she was like oh my god no no we didn't do that no I didn't talk about that no I didn't think that she said no you and your generation you guys and she put air quotes around this because we're sarcastic mm-hmm. people she's like you guys parent she said me and my friends we just raised you right like we just raised you we did the best you, we could we failed we were kind of a mess you were definitely a mess and we just hoped it would all work out And I think that's true. I think there's some sort of weird emotional shift um, of expectations that we have either, uh, I think it's probably a combination of this, but we've either just either bought into it or we created it. I'm not sure. I don't really know where it started, but I'll tell you that we're drinking all the Kool-Aid. And so uh, what's tricky now is that our generation, it feels like, and again, this is just an emotional feeling. It's not actually true. Um, but it is something that we're that we're we're buying into is that we have we're expected to do more. Like my mom and her friends, they had a, a different set of expectations put on them. She didn't go back to college until we were all in high school and middle school. Um and, and it was extraordinary at the time. But our generation were kind of expected to do all the like You Go to college and maybe grad school and have a career and be a good parent and cook healthy, meaningful meals and be a good wife and serve in your local church and serve in your community and be a good neighbor. And it just feels like a lot. Um, And there's a lot of excellence placed on all those roles and not a lot of wiggle room for real life, for good, healthy boundaries, for saying no sometimes, for closing a door for a few years. Um, Or for even just kind of being average. You know, that's Mm -hmm. just like a curse word. That's a curse word. Um, The idea of being a medium at something. We're supposed to be great at it all. So, um, you know, I talk about that a lot, and I think that's really destructive. I think it's really bad for our spirits. I think it's bad for our churches, honestly. Um, I I see it. You know, we pastor, too. And so we just see a lot of worn-out folks. They just had it. By the time they get to church, they're like, "If you so help me, if you ask me to do one more thing, like you know, there's just Mm -hmm. no more margin." And so, I would love to see us all lighten up a little bit. I don't know where, and it just depends. There's not a template. That's the thing. It just depends on your stage of life and your season and where you're at. But um, we actually can't do everything. So it's really good to learn the word "no" and to use it with regularity. Are you good at this? Are you good at boundaries?
0: Um. um, I think so. I like to, yeah. Friday and Saturday, you will not find me. And I, I'm off, off the grid and for the most part. And um, I, I try to be. Uh, I don't know good. if I am or not. Um, but I'm supposed to ask you questions. Let's remember this is not, not about my personal life. Okay. This is about you. Okay. I, this isn't a counseling <laughs> session for me. Come on. Who's going to ask me about my boundaries Quit on a podcast? Meddling. What in the? I'm supposed to ask you about your life here.
1: Um, Sorry, I got confused.
0: <laughs> no, it's fine. You can ask more questions if you'd like when we stop recording. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> you. But this is like giving. Like it's an. It seems like your work is an act of grace to say it's okay. You you can have uh-huh. permission to not be perfect. To like just to be average. Like the the grace of. Yeah. The middle is is something that not a lot of us are able to receive. And I think, like, even you start the book with to give the grace to say that you're allowed to change. Like, you're not the mistakes, yeah. you're not the, the worst moments. And I love the way you yeah. talked about your first book, about how you, you can't even open it up and read it. How long I ago it that you read it? Like, a it's decade? It's so painful.
1: I'm so, it's so painful. I wrote it in 2004. So, Got you ahead. know, it's been 13 years. You gotta think about how much you've changed in 13 years. And, you know, that encompasses all of my 30s and the early part of my 40s, and I've had so many seismic spiritual shifts um, in that amount of time. And i just also learned to be a writer. I mean, that was my first stab at it. And nobody was asking me to, by the way, so I didn't have anybody helping me. I was just some random girl writing words yeah. on a borrowed laptop. Yeah. And so... Um, awesome. But that in that essay, the whole idea is you don't have to be who you first were. And that can be in a variety of ways. I mean, it can be professionally and and in, in ways like that but it can be maybe you were you know once labeled with uh, something really painful or destructive or sorrowful victim abused addict um abandoned you know fill in the blank that's not your forever label you don't have to be that person forever um sometimes that looks like just just shift you're just growing you're just changing you are you, you're shifting towards something or for someone or um, to a new place. And I just don't think we're comfortable with change, period. I, I don't think it's one of those things our generation is super great at. Um, that in general, I see, and I feel this internal uh, war as well. This, this, this idea that change sometimes makes us feel incredibly threatened. Um, mm. Either because we don't understand it or we feel like we're being left behind um, or it's going to now change the parameters in which we've always operated with this person or with these people or with this organization. And um, and somehow we intrinsically make that about ourselves. Like somehow this yeah. is going to affect me in a negative way and I don't like it. Um, but I think, I think change means we're alive. I think it's good. I hope. Oh, my gosh. When you and I talk on your podcast 10 years from now and you call me, uh, I, hope, I hope I have all new things to say. I hope I'm in a new place. I hope I've learned so much and that I've changed and I understand God in even wider and richer ways. And so I, I find that a good thing, but I, we're going to have to change around transformation and development and change in order to make a culture that embraces that a little bit better.
0: Yeah. As someone who puts their words and their experience and so much of their life into a book or post or, you know, speeches or talks or sermons or whatever, do you feel like in some ways you're canonized into this is who I was 13 years ago? And obviously oh the book gosh. seems like you, you just flount that sort of expectation, but so yeah. many seem like it, if that's what I said, then I have to hold to it more so than the average person.
1: That's a, wh- great, why do you, that's a great point. Like wh- wh- how many of us really want to be locked in to something we said 13 years ago you know i mean now granted some things are going to stay the same some we're going to have some things that are going to be shelf stable our entire life but i mean mm-hmm. there's this awful underpinning to being a writer or a communicator like you a pastor where your things are recorded and archived and podcasted you know where
0: yeah. those
1: things are forever I mean, somebody can always come to me and take a screenshot of, the, of a page that I wrote at book in 2004 and say, but you said, mm-hmm. oh, so I think this takes a great degree of um, humility because honestly, the only thing that that would really hurt is my pride if I'm just unwilling to say out loud, yeah, I, I'm not sure I understood that fully then, or um, I've learned more since then, or I was wrong about that or mm-hmm. um, that was true of me then, and now this is where God has me. And so uh, there's nothing shameful in that unless I make it shameful. You know, if yeah. I'm the one that builds this this narrative of um, I defected, or yeah. um, I reneged or whatever, That's I, I don't even think that's very healthy. But rather, I think there's this space where we can say, you know let's just have a conversation around that maybe let me tell you how what was true of me in my life then when I was twenty nine years old and what my story looked like and here's what it looks like now but um, but yeah man it's forever and let me tell you something I'm really glad about super glad about okay. I'm really glad that when I first started speaking because speaking is not my natural gift i um I love to write and that's what I wanted to do and that's what I did first but as you know when when pe- when you write, then people think you can speak. It's absurd. Uh, there is absolutely no correlation, but people started saying, can you come speak at our thing? Can you come speak at our conference? And I'm like, I don't know. Do you think I can? Did somebody <laughs> tell you that I could? Is there any, do you have any evidence that that is something I can do? Um, yeah. And so I am, I, I still like getting on my knees and thinking Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit. That back then, nobody was recording my talks.
0: No one's recording those. Yeah.
1: are lost in the oblivion of and, and yeah, thank goodness. I, they're would gone. Just die. I would that would be unrecoverable. I would I would well, be unable to recover from that.
0: Well, speaking of me, you're in, <sighs> inducing a great deal of fear and shame because I have to turn my first book in, like the first manuscript of it, nice. in uh, three weeks. And good job, uh, you. Which is the exact opposite of oh you can talk well so let's see if you can write anything so using your logic <laughs> it's going to be terrible and I appreciate that so thank you for that blessing over my work Coach Taylor um, it's just the this Coach is Taylor the, and
1: me exactly exactly this I is just the just gritty the you
0: this is this is the gritty Coach Taylor um, okay
1: so let me ask you this it's okay. due in three weeks how are you doing are you in the weeds
0: ah uh, no I f- I feel pretty good about it I, are you I done? have uh, yeah, I'm going back and rereading wow. it, and I have all the words that I need to have written done. And- wow, yeah, was- let me
1: tell you. I've written 12 books. It's a okay. lot. I, don't even, I can't even believe it. I don't even know what I'm saying. I mean, That's like every all the time, books. That's a lot of them. Well, what else is there? I mean, somebody <laughs> asked me, what's your next book? I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to write another book. I don't know anything else. Like, I've said everything I know. Um, mm-hmm. But in 12 books, never. I mean, not even by a mile did I ever have a manuscript finished three weeks before a due date? This is a marvel. Maybe more, maybe more speakers should write. Listen, yeah, your I editor is probably thrilled.
0: Well, your books have done well. I don't think I, my book might tank, which might say that I was done way before I really thought I was. Uh, I don't know. Um,
1: Listen, l- let's, uh, l- let's, let's be honest about something. You say um, your books have done well. The last couple of few books have done well, the ones that you know about. Let me just tell you about a handful of books that I wrote at the beginning. Let's just call them the first eight. Okay. Okay. The first eight have probably sold. I don't, I I am not even positive my mom read them. I'm not even sure. I couldn't even say for a fact. So um, let's not get real generous that your books with the yearbooks have done great stuff. Um, Okay. No, my books have barely made it to shelves. the longest time. I just wrote and nobody was reading. I mean, I just put my head down and did the work, and I learned how Mm -hmm. to be a writer, and I kept turning in manuscripts, and I can't believe somebody kept asking me to to write more since there was absolutely no financial or market evidence that I should have continued, but I'm so glad somebody just let me keep trying, Um, and so eventually we got to a point where, like, at least my, I knew my mom was reading. I knew she was reading them, but, uh, so don't success is the weirdest thing in publishing and in Christian marketing. It's such a weird animal now, such a, such a strange bird, um, to have to both write meaningful, spiritual things that matter and that you care about. And that are just so deeply important. And then, Try to explain to somebody how you're going to market it. Isn't it just weird? Don't you find the whole thing bananas?
0: Yeah the the meetings where they talk about how they want to market your book, I I had no interest in that. But using your logic again here, so what you're saying is that this manuscript is done, and after seven more of these, then the books will actually be read by people (laughs) since the first eight (laughs) didn't get
1: read at all. So thank you again.
0: You're doing great, Uh, Coach Taylor. Um, Something
1: I'm missing. I'm missing today. Is this, is that eyes, every, full hearts. Home run. Do you know
0: what I mean? I'm yeah. just, I'm sorry. You're doing great. You're doing, you know, okay. <laughs> it's, it's really good. Um, uh, I got other stuff I want to talk about the book. You okay. had, um, where do we want to go here? Okay, let's do this one. Um, you mentioned there's a biz- bizarre tension of caring about refugee crisis in Syria, mm-hmm. um, yeah. like our friend Jeremy. Yeah. And also about the Gilmore Girls. Now I don't watch yeah. Gilmore Girls, but I'll replace uh-huh. that with with Breaking Bad, which I right you also light. watch as Breaking well. Bad. Yeah, Friday yeah, Night Live. Exactly. So, w- how do you hold that bizarre tension of truly, um, in some ways, some might say, uh-huh. a television show is meaningless? Which I think that's maybe a uh-huh. little bit of an overstatement. Um, okay. But in comparison to what's going mm-hmm. on to our friend Jeremy and what's going on around him and the, the friends he has and the people he knows. How do you maintain the value of both of those things at the same time?
1: I know it's tricky It's tricky spiritual space and um, again, you know what's annoying me keep me continuing to say I think it was different for generations before us. Does every generation think they're the first ones to have hard things? Well, the point is truly this this culture is unprecedented in that um, the average person has not always had Immediate and constant access to global news, like we do now, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, you can't even you cannot even get out of bed in the morning without an onslaught of um, horrible news, terrifying news, crisis, disasters, you know, government implosions. I mean, obviously, yeah. present company included, and so it. We have now such access to constant. Um, crisis in the world that it has made us confused on how to behave like what do we do do we do we do we turn our head toward every single one of them because we would never sleep um do we where do we pour our lot here 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 or here how do we pick um is it even okay to have um fun to love something that's just beautiful for the sake of beauty um to even love something frivolous like? Friday Night Lights, or to take a vacation when the world is full of such sorrow and such suffering that we now have 24-7 access to. So we, can, we can't yeah. even claim that we didn't know. You know, we can't even say, well, I just didn't understand what was going on in Syria. You know, if you have a television set, yes, you do. If you have Twitter, you know every yeah. awful thing. Um, and so I just think it is, a, it is not just a healthy but a necessary spiritual practice right now to so find a, a handful of touch points in our lives, in our, in our families, in our neighborhoods that are simply lovely, that are happy, um, that are kind, that are maybe even just a respite. Maybe it's just a place where just for a minute you get to sort of turn off the constant mental chatter and concern and let your mind rest for a minute. Let your soul rest, whatever that is. If it's a show, if it's a movie, if it's music, if it's a walk, I don't really care. But um, we cannot be, we cannot operate at one hundred percent alarm at all times. We just cannot yeah. do it. It's so bad for it. You see, you know some people who do that. I I have some people in my circle, that, or even really just that I follow, and that they're 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 pressing the alarm button all from morning to night, all day, seven days a week. And it's exhausting. It's just absolutely exhausting. And we're all worn out. And, and ironically, it makes us less effective to actually serve and nourish the world in places that we're called to in places that we can, um, to people who actually need us. And so, um, my thought is, there is something incredibly holy and sacred about enjoying the gifts god has given us to enjoy this gorgeous world um a table with friends all around it like sharing good food together music art creativity literature those things those things minister to us and they renew us and they 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 help us to sort of generate fresh new energy for some of the more overtly spiritual tasks you know, that God puts on our plates. And so uh, I hope to find something of a balance in there. And I don't even know what balance means. I don't know. Maybe you can tell us, Pastor, but (laughs) just something where that at some point in my day, in my weekly rhythm, in my monthly rhythm, and really just in my life, um, I am making sure that I am enjoying beautiful people, beautiful places, um, beautiful experiences. And that I'm just giving my my mind and my soul and my hands arrest. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, I think it perfectly does. I've got a friend who, actually the per, my friend who connected me to Jeremy uh, the first time, uh, he's a uh, filmmaker. And so he uh, travels all over the world and he's, he's based in uh, Australia, the Gold Coast. And he sends me basically three text messages. They're basically three, they, they, different words, but it's really the same thing. The first one, he makes fun of our, our current political climate in America. so easy. Low-hanging fruit. Yeah, very easy. And the other two are Uh pictures. One is like the um, picture of the beach, and it's like, hey, Texas has no beaches like this. Texas is the worst. Uh And then Uh the other text message, (laughs) and this is about 70% of the time, it's a Uh picture of someone in the developing world, uh, a refugee, Uh uh, someone that he's... So his his work as a filmmaker typically has him working with a lot of NGOs and the world visions of the world and... He's showing me pictures from where he is and people who are struggling to make two dollars a day, breaking rocks yeah. while they take care of their two-year-old kid. And yep. I think it's kind of a weird dichotomy of like, here's a beach or here is the most uh-huh. object suffering here's and poverty in the world. Uh-huh. But but I feel like that integration is really yeah. what healthy spirituality does. It lets you be aware of the refugee crisis and want uh-huh. to have some agency to do something, but also to know I can enjoy Friday Night Lights and I can somehow That's a good integrate word. this together. Yeah.
1: That's a good word. I I think this idea of being an integrated human being matters. Um, You know, people ask me a lot in interviews um, kind of why I chose the the structural format that I did for uh, Mess and Moxie and also for For the Love. I wrote it in the same structure. You know, they're essays and they're not related. Um, There's, there's, um, you know, I have a general tone and a way about me that, that weaves through, but, um, you know, you'll, you'll read one about my thoughts on, uh, exercise and going to the gym. And the next one, the next essay is my thoughts on God's sovereignty. You know, I mean, I'm all, it's whiplash up in here. I'm all over Mm -hmm. the place, but the point is the best way that I can ever describe it is I'm just an integrated person. I, I, and we all are, you know, I I could write, I could write 70,000 words on one idea But the way that I live my life, the way that I do community, the way that I I lead um, my tribe is integrated. So sometimes we are talking about cooking, and sometimes we are talking about Jesus, and sometimes we are talking about parenting, and that's just real life. So to me, that just makes sense. When I sit down and put my fingers on a laptop, I want to talk about all the things that I would normally think about in a one-week period. And most of those, all those are in there. So um, I think that's good. I think that's healthy. I think it's good to, as you and I lead and pastor in different ways that we think about our people as whole people, um, that this one thing that we care about so deeply, we can get our people to care about it with us. But we also need to remember they also care about their marriages, and they also care about their careers, and they also care about um, who's sick in their family, and they also care about recovery. And and so that sort of leadership to me is the type that typically produces human beings that I like the most. Do you know what I mean? The ones who have permission to be a whole person.
0: Yeah. And this is… Richard Rohr stuff about non-dualistic thinking. It's not sacred or mm, yes. secular. There's not yep. like, this is the church stuff and this is the normal stuff. Like at the heart of good religion, the word religion literally comes from the Latin word f- for rebinding. Like it brings everything together. And yeah. I, like, I, I like that you can do an expose on Life After Netflix and at uh-huh. the same time, you're going to talk about um, the implicit biases that many of us white people have. Like the, I, yeah. I, I feel like that whiplash is kind of, life is whiplashing like you go from one banal conversation to one earth-shattering conversation and that's the yes. human experience
1: that exactly is right
0: so i'm on board with it i'm also on board that netflix has changed the world so i i appreciate you putting pen to paper on that it I'm is yeah the, the, the uh, so I was i was reading that I was reminded of a story the first time we got a dvr in our house uh it was oh, a wednesday sure. night after church and we used to like have we're a part of a church that had like a bunch of Wednesday night stuff. And so my wife totally. and I came home. We didn't have kids. I got home first somehow. And my <laughs> wife is coming inside, and she knew I was rushing home because I wanted to watch a sporting <laughs> event on TV. Sure. And miraculously, I go out to the car and help her unload groceries. And she's like, Luke, I thought you wanted to watch that fight. And I was like, Lindsay, uh-huh. you're more important than any fight on TV. Oh, and she goes, what you're saying is that the cable guy came in and started the uh-huh. DVR today. And I said, well, that's true <laughs> also. Also? Also, Yeah. But, it, but you meant like, it, obviously. I, did, I meant it more. I was able to display it more when I had a DVR. I see that.
1: I see that. So good. I mean, DVRs, when those first hit, I, I, we just could not believe our good fortune. You know, we just no. thought, well, this is it. I mean, what else is there? What else, Nothing. what else could there be than just being able to watch our shows when we want and fast forward through commercials? Just that's it. We've arrived. The height yep. of technology, the height of entertainment um, mm-hmm. absolutely changed our lives.
0: I would say that the DVR and the individual flossing things are the two greatest contributions to society America has ever done.
1: Hey, you know, we have a value. We have a family based value around those flossers. Like Mm -hmm. I buy them by, by the bucket, by Mm -hmm. bucket. I I try to explain to my kids, you don't understand how hard we had it back in the day to wrap Mm -hmm. two pieces of floss around our pointer fingers and try to get Mm -hmm. back in our molars. You don't understand like it hurt. We couldn't yeah. get it. It kept slipping. They don't even know. Kids these days, man. You know, they just, it's so easy for them. They're soft. And they have mm-hmm. no grit at all. They have flossers.
0: Yeah. With I'm handles.
1: Good. It's a yeah. handle. Brilliant.
0: Yeah. I mean, you can even use the handle to pick things out if you want. But um, we'll use that for mm. the next podcast. We'll go more into sure. next, Jose. Uh, maybe that's your next book. Honestly, I think I just gave you an idea. And I'm going to workshop that. You're welcome. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, thank you. Are you an Enneagram person?
1: Okay. I, it's like, honestly, at this point, I feel like I'm part of the, of the resistance. That oh, no. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I can't believe I haven't taken a test. And my really? friends who are so deeply Enneagram, like mm-hmm. they're evangelists, like I can tell you're about to be, um, they're <laughs> always telling me what I am. They're always giving what me do you, my things.
0: You're friends with Shauna Nequist, right?
1: Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, she Has well, she, she told you me. what...
0: What has she said you are?
1: She thinks I'm a seven That's what. with mm -hmm. a three wing. Does that feel right? Mm, First part is right. Maybe a four. I forgot the number she said. Which one makes more sense, a four or a three? It's one of those.
0: Okay, a three is the performer. The seven is what Shauna is and what many cool Uh people are, including myself. Uh, Uh And I would assume that she would say you're like, maybe she would say you're like her or you're different from her. I don't know, but maybe seven Uh would be it.
1: Yes, I, when she describes the seven, I feel like yeah, that's a that's dead on. Um, but see, for me, and I don't know how you are. This is where Sean and I depart. So maybe you can diagnose me when I tell you this. But okay. I am at my at my core. I'm, I'm pretty introverted, and so mm-hmm. um, I like I don't mind being alone. I like to be at home a lot. Um, big crowds and a lot of big social moments stress me out. Um, even though I can do them, I'm a highly functioning introvert. But, um, like, my favorite thing in life, when I just feel like I am a, I'm sitting in the shine of God's favor, it's when somebody cancels plans. I'm like, thank you, <laughs> Lord. Thank you for this gift. Today, I see you seeing me today. And so I don't know if that factors into my wing or whatever the heck you call it. But uh-huh. I'm fully extroverted. Like, she's here okay. for the party. She's here for the people, and I am sometimes.
0: So I don't know what that well, means. Okay, well, I'm a seven, and I'm an introvert. And when people cancel, okay. I celebrate. Like, celebrate. hands in the air, like, yeah. with no care. And Bang. so, yeah, you need to. I, I can't diagnose you. I'm not an expert. I'm not okay. Richard Rohr. But uh, okay. I think you're, I think Sean is onto something with you. All right, and maybe. Here's an interesting thing, though. So I've become more introverted the older I get and i wonder so when i was at a i played in a church and did that for my wife and i did did that for seven years and then i became a part of a church that's bigger now and the more i'm at a bigger church the more introverted i find myself getting because i feel uh-huh. like there's more yeah, their responsibilities and, and expectations that uh-huh. people have for you and i assume your expectations that people have for you are substantially higher than even mine um and i don't know if that's as a seven, uh-huh. you're running away from that and you're fine, uh-huh. whatever. We'll, we'll save this for your counseling session some other time.
1: This is good. This is good. All right, well, that's great. You just think on it. And so okay. when you think you've got it figured out, you can call me back and tell me how to live.
0: Okay, uh, that's, that's really what I was trying to get to. I wanted to give you okay. some advice on how to live your life. Because um, sure. we need more, what we need more yeah, is need more, more mess <laughs> and more moxie. That's what we need. Uh, see and, what you did there. And, that was good. And you, and you know where people can get that? Your new book.
1: Yeah, that's what we they call can it get it tra- anywhere.
0: That was good. I know, I know that you've got a podcast now and so I'm just trying to set a precedent for how to do awkward <laughs> transitions and, and that's, that's a how it's done. That's segue.
1: That was, yeah. that was, take notes people, take notes. How many episodes um, have you
0: recorded on your podcast?
1: Let's see. Today we have uh, the eighth one come out. So I'm still I'm a baby. I'm a podcast okay. baby. I still tell my producer, like, when I'm doing a podcast, I need you to just be near your phone because something will go wrong. And you uh know that intuitively I will not even know the first thing to do to fix it. I'm so dumb. And I don't know how fancy you are, but I'm going to send you a picture. Um, I, having now tried like five different spots and then getting one thing podcast people will do is give you feedback, good or bad. And, um, having learned that the sound was terrible, I do all my podcasts now sitting on the floor of my closet. Like, it's filthy. Brandon's shoes are all over. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm just like, I push, I put a sweatshirt behind the microphone to muffle it a little bit. I mean, it is the most ratchet operation you have ever seen in your entire life. And so that's how I do my podcast. I mean, what do you have, like a studio?
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't have someone's sweatshirt hanging around. Here's the thing.
1: Brugle. I don't come into my office
0: on Friday, but I leave my microphones in here. So if you uh-huh. want, you can call my assistant; she'll open everything uh-huh. up. You can use my microphones, my interface, and all that next time if you need to. Uh, otherwise, so fancy. Just just stay with the, the sweatshirts. I mean, everyone likes a good I mean, sweatshirt I'm down sound. The
1: down there with yeah. the shoes. Down there with the boots. Um, yep. When my laptop open, I'll cramp. I can after an hour, I can barely stand up off the floor because I'm 43. I don't, I'm not made to sit on the hard ground anymore.
0: No.
1: So anyway, it's really fun though. I really like podcasting, and I think it's interesting because it seems to be how people want their content right now. Um, mm-hmm. That is just this is uh, it either fits our lifestyle or it's just trendy or maybe both. Mm-hmm. But I mean. This is what people do. They want to listen while they're driving or jogging. Maybe it's pronounced yogging. I don't really know. Um, or whatever, doing their tasks or cooking. And so I just think it's a really great way to put funny or smart or interesting or all of the above conversations in front of people and kind of be guaranteed a pretty big audience for it, a pretty big listenership. So how long have you been doing this?
0: Uh, I think i 'm at like two hundred and fifty episodes' so that's Holy been moly a couple here 's the when I started my podcast like four years ago there's yeah. like some people that were like the top shelf people I really started a podcast just to get a chance to talk to, and so we 're talking yeah. Richard Rohr, Nt Wright, yeah. Rob yeah. Bell, and brene Brown yeah okay, and i 've yeah. had those first like Rob Tom, and Richard Rohr probably a dozen episodes between the three of them combined like four or five each yeah never been able to get Brene Brown on and you and Brene like a podcast in the first one or second one or third one whatever it was (laughs) so I might have more episodes but you were able to land the one podcast guest I've never been able to so I'm proud of you and congratulations and I want to tell you I one time was doing a podcast when I used to work work out of my house with uh uh, Barbara Brown Taylor. Do you know who that is? Yeah. You heard do her? I
1: know her? Oh my okay, god. She's such a checking. spiritual mentor for me. Yes.
0: Yeah. Well, she's amazing. And the f- I think mm-hmm. it was the first time I talked to her. My uh, daughter was probably like two or th- one of my daughters was like two or three at the time. She's now six and uh, five. Excuse me. And she came home and my wife was like bringing groceries in, and so she broke in the house free and unguarded, and she comes okay. to my office door and bangs on the door and says, Daddy, come wipe my hiney. Come wipe my hiney. <laughs> oh, the whole time, I have no. around Taylor on the phone going, nun, nun. <laughs> <sighs> so hopefully that happens to you sometime soon. I hope that...
1: Uh, well, see, what I have now um, is I have a, a recurring problem with the podcast, which is that I do almost all the recordings just here at the house, and mm-hmm. we live 200 yards from a... From railroad tracks and Mm, so at first I thought okay we're just going to cut in a podcast and wait for these trains to pass but they come so constantly and so all day long and at all hours that I finally just said to all the people whoever the people are like a train is a part of my podcast okay it's just what it is make your peace I don't Mm -hmm. want an email about it don't tell me oh that would have been nice except for that train we heard the train is part of the deal so it's just, it's just how it is. I think there's a charm to an imperfect podcast. Of course, that's just mm-hmm. my preference anyway. But I like it when it's not super, super polished or super, mm-hmm. super produced. I like it to sound like, I don't know, mm-hmm. normal people and having a normal yep. life of like daughters who need their Heini's wife. That feels yep. like, oh, this, yep. this, this little slice of life makes sense to me entirely. What do you think of Barbara? What would she like to talk to
0: Okay. Well, first of all, I agree that podcasts are supposed to be like that. They need one uh-huh. scoop of moxie and one scoop of Thank messy. That's, that's it. That's, a, that's it. You're welcome. Uh, another plug uh-huh. right there. Uh, she's a, BBT is amazing. Um, yeah. Super kind. I, I finished the first interview with her, and so we stopped recording. And we, she kept talking to me afterwards. And she goes, "Luke, you you actually read the book. I'm I'm so mm. impressed. And yeah. like that was like." The, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased moment in my life. That was when <laughs> totally. she said, you ask good questions or you're a, a, an astute reader. And I was like, my life is consequential now. It
1: matters. Take me now, Jesus. I've, I've done it all. I've accomplished yeah. everything you sent me for.
0: Yeah. It's amazing. Well, well, hopefully you get to talk to her sometime. I think it'll yeah. change your life.
1: Yeah, I know. I, I mean, I have no qualms using this podcast for my personal agenda.
0: None. That, like if, that, if that's the way reason I can you do just it. Meet
1: people I like. That's what I'm here for. Um,
0: I, that's so, actually yeah. the reason I started the podcast. Is I just want to talk to people. And I. I know some people have like these, these ideas of growing their platform and getting people to listen. Huh. It's really. I just want to talk yeah. to people. That, that, yeah. So yes, 100% do that.
1: Yeah, I like the guests
0: that you've had. Hey, if you could just tell me, like, here's
1: one guest that you had on once that was like a surprise, awesome guest. I mean, obviously, you invited them, so you thought they were going to be great, but you were like, wow, mm-hmm. that was a great conversation, or more people should be hearing from this person, or whatever. Like, who would you... Give me a name or two.
0: Okay. Becca Stevens. Do you know who okay. Becca is? She, Wait a minute. Uh, actually, Barbara Brown Taylor told me to get to know Becca Stevens, and she's based in Thistle... Uh, she does Thistle Farms in Nashville. Um, yes!
1: I knew that sounded yeah,
0: Yes. hero of the year. She yeah. has a book that's coming out. I think she's going to be my podcast again soon. She is one of my favorite people I've ever gotten to know through the podcast. Absolutely love her. Ah. She's so good. Obviously, Richard Rohr ever knows him. Um, uh-huh. Trying to think who else. Um, you should get to know. I've got a I'm friend who's a psychologist. Write, write this down. Okay. Richard, Richard Beck's a psychologist in Abilene. He's fascinating. Uh, you should get to know him. Okay. Um, who else? Um, I'm literally taking notes. Okay. Uh, I'm trying to th- I've i met so many great people that like yeah. pastor type. Pete Enns is a uh, sarcastic Old Testament scholar. I love him. Um, Brian Zahn, yeah, great pastor. Um,
1: yeah. I like your pool. I like your you pool know, of people. I like where you, are you f- from.
0: Do you know Jamie Wright? Aren't you friends with her? Yes, of course. She's like a dear Jay- friend. Okay, Jamie and Sarah Bessie and Shauna's yeah. great. Um. Yeah, those are
1: those are my those are my ride or dies right there.
0: Yeah, yeah, ride ride don't die. Just ride with them. Yeah. I don't yeah, I don't like yeah. them to be dead yeah. cuz Jamie's got a book that's going to be out in like a year or something, right? Uh-huh. Or 6 months. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, her voice is so special. It's so unique. It's so funny. It's so biting. Like I just she's got a space that's really interesting to her. Like it's just there's nobody like there's only one Jamie. Yep. Nobody does exactly what she does. She makes me laugh yep. so hard. You know, yep. me and Jamie and Sarah—we spend time together every single year. We are we we became we're internet friends, and then mm-hmm. we became real life friends. Um, and so those girls, man, they just they live their they live their faith. That's the kind of people That's I'm funny. drawn to these days. Like um, there are plenty of people talking about it. I mean, you know what we need more people talking about it. Except opposite. No. Um, but I am so drawn to people who live it, who live it well, Who they're not just telling a good story, but they're living a good story. Uh, and you just sense the difference. You just see it in their demeanor and in their posture and in their leadership and then actually in their actual lives. I just, I look for that in a leader more than anything else. I like humility and I like honesty mm-hmm. and I like integrity. Like, I don't really care if you're a good speaker. I don't like. I don't, I don't. care if the skills match up, or you're eloquent, or you know you're fancy, or you're famous. I don't. But those kind of leaders, where I feel like I can trust you, and I trust, like, I trust Jesus in you, and the way that you're listening to Him and following Him. That is the. That's the circle I want. That's who I want to be surrounded mm. with. That's good. I mean, you've named think- a ton of them. You've had so many of those people on your podcast. I. I kind of see who you're pulling from, and I respect that. I, I like those kinds of thinkers. I think they're leading us well.
0: Well, I agree. I think they're good people, and I think uh, you need to get to know some more of those people. But you know a lot of them uh-huh. already, so just get them on your podcast too. Uh-huh. That's my plan. That's my
1: diabolical plan.
0: Okay. You know, I'm just Jen- going to move
1: up the ranks until I have Kyle Chandler on, and I can try to redeem myself from like, physically assaulting him that one time.
0: That's awesome. You know, I got to have, uh, did you ever watch The Office? Yeah. Okay, I had uh, Rain Wilson, who was Dwight on The Office, on my my podcast a couple months, like six months ago, and someone showed up and recorded it, and I I had this terrible or great idea, I don't know which one it is, but there's Uh a clip from that podcast, I think I'm going to play in a sermon in like two months, and (laughs) so people are either going to love it or I'm going to get fired, and Uh if that's the case, um, I'll need to find a new job.
1: Just go out in a blaze of glory, you know? Like exactly. Just go for it. That's what I'm... Go, um, I bet he was quirky. Was he quirky to
0: interview? Uh, so I've, I've interviewed a couple comedians, and uh-huh. I think there's a very similar experience uh-huh. that I've had, like, with preachers, too. Like, offstage, like, afterwards, there's a lot of preachers are kind of laid back and low-key, not, like, uh-huh. big, big personalities, but then on stage, uh-huh. they obviously have to do their thing and kind of perform, and I don't mean that uh-huh. in a bad way. I know what uh, you mean. Like, Rayden Wilson, I talked to him for probably 20 minutes beforehand. Super laid-back guy, just mellow. We get on stage, quirky. Kind of, you see Dwight Uh, come out a little bit. Yeah. He was great. I mean, he has a lot of depth to him. He's not just a uh, comedic actor. He's got stuff going on. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's a good guy. What a cool
1: interview. That's an interesting connection. So you have all kinds of folks on. I mean, you're in and out of the face space, um, entertainment, just whatever.
0: Yeah, I, it's really just whoever is interesting to me. and
1: Yeah, that's what I think too.
0: Yeah, so this has been outstanding. Thank you for talking. We, we got like in the nitty gritty of podcasting at the very end. So if anyone wants to start a podcast, you'll love this last <laughs> 10 minutes. Uh, for the rest of you, you might have tuned out. But uh, Jen, your book of, me- of Mess and Moxie, which I've already plugged seven times. Uh, well, well done. Congrats on Thank making you. it through those first eight books.
1: <laughs> I'm really sorry I planted that seed of, of doubt and insecurity into your life story uh, I'm going to I'm gonna try to make that up to you
0: my entire book is messy oh no <laughs> no one's going to read it okay great. Uh,
1: thanks for having me
0: on this podcast was brought to you by our friends at Podbean your all-in-one podcast hosting and publishing provider if you want to get your content out to the masses go to podbean.com backslash newsworthy and now with their mobile app you can do that directly from your phone thanks for checking out newsworthy with norsworthy make sure to subscribe to the podcast on itunes we'll see you back here next time